and welcome back to another edition of the Lockdown Blues Podcast, part of the Lockdown Live Network and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh Hyman. And I'm Thomas Welch. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. The Blues are back. 2-2 series. They, they came away with a pretty, pretty... Uh, uh, Emphatic victory last night to even commanding, up the series at two. Like someone commanding victory to even up the series at two, um, uh, in back to back nights. Uh, lots to break down there. Lots to break down for the rest of the series. The rest of the NHL has been uh, been uh, looking a little funky as well. We've had some weird results, some weird uh, weird playoff series going down. Washington's on the verge of getting swept. Oh man, uh, lots lots to go into. We'll, we'll we'll cover it all today. I'm excited. First of all, tell me what are your initial thoughts. On, on the playoffs thus far. Um, I, I think, I mean, I at this point, anyone named Mr. Blues Hat, you, I mean, anyone not named Mr. Blues Hat has got to give up to Jake Allen at this point, you know? Because I think he's uh, a lot, I yeah. think everyone, I think you can safely say, like, at this point, he's a lost cause. But, like, everybody else, dude, just absolutely locked down um, in terms of the production, the production he's provided for this team. I mean, He's been an absolute yeah. catalyst. I think his save percentage is nine sixty right now, which is just insane. Yeah, and I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna right away, right off the bat in this podcast, I'm gonna I'm gonna formally uh, accept accept the, the the crow that you are gonna make me eat for for picking <laughs> for, for taking Jordan Bennington. Um, in my own defense, I will say I I, I was defending either choice, um, and I and I said I think this team can win with either goalie, and I think that's kind of the game they played. I, not that Jake Allen didn't have a spectacular performance because he did, but I don't think it was anything like, oh, thank God we played Jake Allen or we would have lost. Like, I think uh, if, you know, obviously things would have changed if Bennington started, but you put 50 out there instead of 34 and the Blues play the exact same way, I think the result is pretty similar. That being said, goalie, uh, goaltending is a very mental position, so for the rest of the series, I'm on the Jake Allen train. I think, you know, he's one, two straight, ride the hot hand, reevaluate after the series, but I, I, I'm humbly accepting that you were right, I was wrong. <laughs> I'm ride or die with Jake Allen for the rest of the series. Let's Hell run. yeah, Let's it's just healthy Losing competition pick. at that point, you know. Exactly, and I think I think it can be sort of like getting rid of the stigma of starter backup, um, and just say, you know what, Jake looked good in practice this morning. He's starting. Jordan looked good in practice this morning. He's starting, and they're two very skilled goalies, very capable of of stealing a game, dominating for a full sixty. They each have their their positives and negatives, um, and in a time like this, Jordan's getting a little uh, rocked a little bit. Jake has that mental toughness to withstand a, a short fury of games back to back nights, and he he proved that it's it's a really good position for the Blues to be in, um, having two high 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 quality starters in that. Yeah, and in, in my in like in my mind, you can't really justify taking Jake Allen out at this no, point not until, at all. He, not until at all. he loses. Um, that mm-hmm. fire that he's had. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Oh man, and the defense looked good. Justin Falk, dude, another good game. Justin on Falk the penalty kill as well. Um, Justin, yeah, got some penalty kill PK shifts, which was a little a little jarring at first for sure. Um, but I like that. He looked really good. He definitely looked like a different player out there. He looked like he was kind of thinking a lot less, um, just making the natural plays. Uh, looking looking at other spots in the lineup, other things that I noticed, I think um, the fourth line looked really, really good. I think even though the, the names weren't the same, the fourth line looked very similar to the way it did last year. I agree. Uh, in the sense that they, they don't play a lot of minutes, but when they do, they're 
they're uh, grinding and throwing hits, making making the other team work hard. You know, they're not going to be going out there scoring goals, but they're they're not going to be giving up a whole lot of offensive opportunities either. Their their job is to just sort of go out there and be really really annoying for forty five seconds and then get off the ice, which they've been doing. A good yeah, job. I really like I really like Sonny down there too, and I know they were kind of floating the idea. Sonny looked great. Yeah, I seen how he fit in like the third line and the second line even, but I I really like him on that fourth line just being that this four check that that. Yeah, that ninja kick block shot that he had. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that made Panger. Did you hear Panger's laugh on that? <laughs> what yeah, was Pan- that, dude? I've like never heard Panger laugh like that in my entire life. That was so funny. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of positives. But I mean, I think I think we can spend. I mean, we're five minutes in. We got twenty minutes left of the episode. I think we can spend the entire twenty minutes talking about how fucking good Ryan O'Reilly is. Because holy shit, has he looked like the best player? on the ice the last two games without a doubt. Like, I, think it's, I think it's telling too that I think um, at the end of the second period, Elias Pettersson had, uh, I think it was one second of head-to-head ice time against Ryan O'Reilly. And that's obviously by design because they know if he's on the same line as right. Ryan they had O'Reilly, the last shut him down. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so instead he's just shutting Bo Horvat down the entire night, which right. I'm fine um, with that as well. I think, and this is, this is going to, be a, be a be a bit of a hot take, um, but I, but I want to I would like to explain myself. Um, in the last game, the last two games, Ryan O'Reilly has looked just as dominant as a Connor McDavid, a Nathan McKinnon, a Patrick Kane. Obviously, not in the same traditional sense where he's flying up and down the ice, but it's you see number ninety hop over the boards and you go. Ah, a nice shift in the offensive zone. This will be yeah. nice. It's know, like, he's not going. It's really like playing with a seven D man, right? And 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 again, I, I'm not trying to say. Like right, I'm not trying to say. Right, right. I'm not trying to say in saying he's as dominant as Connor McDavid. I'm not saying he's as good as Connor McDavid. But I'm saying like number ninety hops over the boards, hops on the ice, and you know sure well that this is going to be an offensive shift. You know the stat that was tweeted out recently. I, I don't remember who it was. I, I, but it was going all over Twitter that like the shot attempts are like 86 to 20 when Ryan O'Reilly's been on the ice. Just something so stupidly unrealistic just to prove that like – and like, you know, if you just sit back and kind of watch the game in the background, you don't notice Ryan O'Reilly. You don't say like, holy shit, that guy's really good. But you, you pay attention, you watch every single player, and he is everywhere. Anytime the puck is like, anytime there's a puck battle, there's a loose puck, a pass to be made, he's on it. Ryan O'Reilly to me is, I think you can compare him to like having a dominant like offensive lineman, you know, because it's not like a sexy, it's not really like a sexy position and a lot of people don't really notice it. Like, but you have to like, like look for it, I guess. And Ryan O'Reilly is really good at the little things I feel like that people underestimate in the sport of hockey and like stuff like so, face-offs and stick lifts and poke so, checks and like the stuff that's like, it's not highlight real goals that he's going out there and making, but at the same time, it's stuff that changes the pace and the flow. And in my opinion, the overall outcome of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, he's an incredibly valuable player just for his purely just his ability at both ends of the ice alone, but also like we've talked about that, that hardworking, uh, you know, uh, practicing after the official practice ends, training the rookies, like stuff like that, the intangibles. Um, 
when I look at Ryan O'Reilly, there's a clear, clear, clear comparison. Now I'm going to tell you a story. There was this, there was this center, right? And he was really, really good on both ends of the ice. Um, didn't get a whole lot of recognition from the awards, but everyone knew he was really good. And, 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 you know, but it wasn't like the making all-star teams every year or anything like that. And then he won a Stanley cup and, and in his later years, like mid to late twenties, won a Stanley cup and then started winning awards and started getting recognition from the league. That center's name is Patrice Bergeron. Um, and there have been two, there have been comparisons between the two, you know, nonstop. And if you look at the timeline, Bergeron wins a cup in 2011 and then starts winning every Selkie in existence at, at the age of, well, he's 35 now, about seven years old, older than O'Reilly, won a cup eight years before O'Reilly. It, it's a similar, I feel like it's a very similar style. You know, a guy that's not sexy, like you said, not flashy, so he doesn't get that recognition, but then he leads his team to a cup and everyone's like, oh shit, I guess this guy's pretty good. So that's just my two cents. Um, growing up in the mass area, I've been very exposed to Bergeron and was very aware of Bergeron before the rest of the world was. So I'm getting very similar vibes in that aspect. So you think Ren O'Reilly is next in line in terms of the changing of the guard, I guess, in terms of the best defensive player in the league? Yeah, um, I, I I don't think it's going to be quite on the same level of like Bergeron being nominated for the Selkie every year for the last nine years, just because I think there's a lot more talent than there maybe was nine years yeah. ago in that in, Mark Stone in the, defense, be in the right in the in the defensive forward aspect. But it, it is very strikingly similar as like a player that got their recognition a little too late because they weren't flashy and they didn't win a cup. But then like once they start showing their playoff success, like, you know, Ryan O'Reilly bounces around from shitty team to shitty team. And then the second he joins a, a contender, he carries them to a Stanley cup. Like what, what up until this point, what more as blues fans could we ask for Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah, I don't think you can ask him anything in else. Terms of, in like terms, in terms of, of, especially if like you say like, you want to pick like a Con Smythe winner for this, for this series in particular, saying that the Blues win, not, not hatching our eggs before or counting our, our eggs before, before they, they hatch. Yeah. Um, but it's got to be Ryan O'Reilly, no? Or Jake Allen? It's got to be one of them. I got a, I got a, I got a good question for you, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna save that for after a short break because we, we're, we got a, we're, we're about halfway through, so, uh, but I, I got a good one, so go get your, get your thinking cap on, where right. we could get, get ready for the but cap stays on, boy, you already know. Oh, I'm glad to hear it, but before we do, uh, I gotta do remind everybody about our friends over at RockAuto.com with the ever increasing number of makes and models, it is now nearly impossible to stock, stock all the parts you need from a traditional chain storefront. So why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Um, and wait while the counterman orders specific parts that only his warehouse carries and charges you the most expensive price that he can when you have computers and phones in your pocket with access to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto parts, auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic every once in a while or daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered right to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com, and we'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right, Tommy, you ready? You ready to use that thinking cap? I'm ready, Josh. I challenge you to name a player 
in your recent memory that has been more perfect than Ryan O'Reilly? More perfect? In any, in, in any sport. More perfect, as in, like, what more could we possibly ask from him? Oh, I don't, I cannot think of a, other than, like, Tom Brady. I cannot think of a single Tom athlete Brady. that I'm like, that I'm, Come on. Yeah, that I'm, that I'm like, okay, not only did they meet my expectations, they surpassed it. Like, you mean in just terms of like every aspect of the game? In, in terms of like, in terms of like, these were your expectations for your player when you when when you first became aware of them. Whether they were already on the team, whether they were a trade, whether they were free agent signing, you have expectations for them before they before you witness them for the first time. And then not only does Ryan O'Reilly meet those expectations, he just absolutely blows them out of the water. So just a player that exceeds my expectations vastly. I feel like there's I could name a couple of those even on the same team. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, ties with Riley, maybe go for. I'm just saying, Braden I'm just saying, Shen's like, gotta be, Braden Shen's got to be up there, right? Bra- I mean, sure, like, sure. He's a good, I, he's a good but, player, but when he came in, I didn't expect him to impact this team the way that he has. I don't think. I, uh, I would agree. Braden, I would agree. I think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Giving his okay, that's a good one. <laughs> that's that's pretty okay. Good one. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, but again, that's different because I, I, I will stress that I don't think Jordan Bennington had any expectations or pressure on him last year. Not that that takes away from what he did because what he did is absurd and spectacular and will never happen again for as long as we live. But Ryan O'Reilly came over with all the pressure of being the number one center this team has desired like for its entire existence. And not only did he meet those expectations, expectations that he had never really proven he was capable of meeting in the past because he had played on Colorado and Buffalo. So no one really knew if he was really capable of being that guy and then he comes into this team this organization that expects the most out of him and then some and not only does he meet those expectations he absolutely just blows them out of the water puts up a career season wins a Stanley Cup wins a Conn Smythe wins a Selkie like I have never in my life in in my sports experience been so happy with a single player joining a team or existing on a team than I am with Ryan O'Reilly like I could not say one bad thing about Ryan O'Reilly if you held a gun to my head Dude, I'll be honest with you right now. I'm happy. I'm right now. I'm happier for Jake Allen than I am for Ryan O'Reilly because in in a in a weird kind of backwards way, it's the same scenario. Except instead of people expecting Ryan O'Reilly to be good and him being better, people expect Jake Allen to be just, bad. Yeah, every time, dude. Even now, when he's got like a nine sixty save percentage and like under two goals against average, they're like, oh well, he's he's not very good in the playoffs, and he and he's got he's got a history, you know, and he's ready to blow up at any second. When consistently over the course of the season, we've seen him have one of the best years ever. Um, he's yeah, like a absolute soldier in the freaking playoffs, dude. And it's just like, I don't know. You have to feel for the guy because. Like the fans have just been on him for the longest time, year after year. They're just like, oh, like who's he going to get beat yeah. out by this year? When's Billy Hoos yeah, coming right. up? Just left and right. Brian Elliott Moose and like the whole experience there. And it's just like uh, nothing would make me happier than watching this team win a Stanley Cup on the back of Jake Allen solely just carrying us there. I, I agree. I would I would absolutely love to see that. I, um, and sort of like touching on that and, and the Ryan O'Reilly thing in general, I think that – 
the the general consensus, or, or at least like the the thing that's that's sort of behind the scenes that's leading to all that is just the culture of this team. Um, and we talked about it a lot with like when we reference like guys like Sammy Blay and how they can play and how he can play anywhere from the first line to the fourth line. And at least from what I've seen from the outside perspective, you know, following on Twitter, watching the games, it seems like the attitude in this locker room is very like you're night in night out. You're going to be put in a situation where you can you can most likely best thrive based on recent performance. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your name is. Doesn't matter what stats you put up this year. Doesn't matter how much you're getting paid. If you are most capable of playing this role on this night, you will do it. And that comes with a guy like Ryan O'Reilly being asked night in, night out to maintain his play. And a guy like Jake Allen, where like, yeah, Jordan... My argument is, the argument for Jordan Bennington is, yeah, he was rough these last two games, but... Over the last two years, he's shown the capability of being a dominant number one. And Bruby, the team, goes against that and says, yeah, sure, that's his history, but the right now is Jake Allen can do it. And, and there's no bias there. There's no expectations there. There's just, hey, go out and play. You know, you're, you're, you're ready, go out and play. And, and I feel like, the, you know, the accountability there, all the players hold each other accountable. The coaches hold the players accountable. And, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko got benched, got sent home. You know, it's, it's no, no free passes. And I think that that really pushes everyone to be better, to be, to be motivated, and, and, and it works wonders for this team. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Vladimir Tarasenko, I yeah, think we gotta get there's an elephant in the room. Yeah. You want to take a break first? <laughs> Uh yeah yeah let's take a break I'll gather my sh- gather my thoughts I got I got a lot a lot to a lot to discuss on this on this subject um a lot of news there but before we do that I gotta remind everybody about a very important cause over here at Lockdown Blues specific to this area this is all about Special Olympics Missouri um so right now you have a chance to help support Special Olympics Missouri you could also be entered to win a brand new 2020 GMC Canyon truck um so if you want to participate you can go to somo.org/raffle s o m mo.org slash raffle click the green button to buy truck tickets generically twenty dollars for five tickets plus one free so you get five entries to the raffle tickets and you're supporting special olympics missouri you have until october 31st to enter for the truck but don't wait until then because there's a lot more prizes given out along the way Little about Special Olympics Missouri. They've they have nearly seventeen thousand athletes statewide competing year round in sixteen official Olympic type sports. They haven't been able to train or compete since March due to COVID nineteen, but they're still really proud of their ability to offer virtual at home programming in sports, health, wellness, and leadership and life skills. So they've still been maintaining that that reach to the community throughout these difficult times. Um, they're the world's largest health organization for people with intellectual disabilities. They offer free health screenings to all of their athletes at competitions and other events throughout the year. Uh, uh, so really offering a lot of opportunity for, for those who are less fortunate, um, those who have harder time with access to healthcare, they're supporting them as well. Um, they offer leadership and life skills training that teach and encourage people with intellectual disabilities to take on leadership roles within the Special Olympics movement, but also in their various communities as well. So they're giving back to the community a lot, and it is really important that we give back to them as well. So if you get the chance, please check out, check them out, somo.org slash raffle. You can get, like I said, five tickets plus one free for only twenty dollars it's supporting a great cause plus you can win a car why not check them out so uh yeah definitely go check them out let them know that we sent you and we'll be right back with the end of today's episode
All right, Tommy, the elephant in the room. Um, news broke this morning that Vladimir Tarasenko, who had been scratched from the previous two games, is being sent back to St. Louis for further evaluation on his surgically repaired shoulder. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. Um, it's like just take the ball of wind out of your chest, dude. I'll like just say gut. right. I'll, I'll just say right away. I'm not worried about these playoffs. I'm not worried about this round. I'm not worried about whatever. I'm worried about his career. I'm just worried about Vladdy. I'm at this point. I am genuinely terrified that we might never see the same Vladimir Tarasenko in a Blues uniform again, or. Maybe might never see Vladimir Tarasenko in a Blues uniform again. I think that's worst case scenario, and I don't see that happening. I think he sh- should be back next season, beginning of next season at the latest. But shoulder that shoulder surgery, man, it's been giving him trouble for years and years and years. And we saw how he looked these past few games. He wasn't on top of his game, and this is nine months out from a shoulder surgery that that resulted from minimal contact. I- Fuck, man. Yeah, Fuck. I feel like, I, yeah, honestly, that that's a perfect way to describe it, really. It's like, there's, oh, man. It's just like, it felt like the first time he injured it, you could tell, like, when he came back, he, he I don't want to say took, he, was, took, he wasn't timid, but it, he it took like, a little bit. Yeah, it took, it took him a little bit, bit and, like, I, I don't think he played with the same aggressiveness or tenacity, right. really, and just, like, Every time he's heard it since then, I feel like it's progressively gotten worse. So hopefully, I mean, he's going in for like an evaluation. Hopefully there's no damage there. Um, But just the fact that him saying it doesn't feel right is concern enough of itself. Right. Um, I mean, short term... I know we were talking about this before the podcast. I I don't think this hurts the Blues Cup chances this year that much. Uh, Just because of, you know, when he was playing, we saw how effective he was or or how ineffective he was. Um, The way this team's built, too, is like... We talk about next man up mentality all the time and the depth mm-hmm. that they have. Like, we have guys that can fit. Like, Robert Thomas on the first line would be a fine addition. Uh, Jordan Cairo can step into that role that Robert Thomas had on the third line. So, there, there is a next man up mentality. And guys like Jordan Cairo has been playing fantastic hockey. Robert Thomas right. has been playing fantastic hockey. Uh, there's right. no and reason that we shouldn't have faith in those guys to excel. It's just it still is a downer because Vladimir Tarasenko means so much to this organization, so much to these fans and so much to these players too. not having them, not having them around uh, that leadership in the locker room is going to be tough as well. Right. And um, I think, like you said, looking at the positives, looking at like the next minute mentality, I think this blue team is really built to not rely on their dominant players like other teams do. I mean, we've seen that out of Vancouver is, Lately, when, he, when, when the Blues have been able to shut down some combination of Pedersen, Hughes, Horvat, Besser, um, when they've been able to shut down two, at least two of those guys, the Canucks have been absolutely useless. And while it's really nice to have guys like Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes to rely on every single night to go out there and score dazzling goals, when they get shut down, when they get figured out, what the hell do you do? And we've seen that recently out of Vancouver, whereas St. Louis, obviously they have superstar talent, obviously they have great players, but then when you look at like the score you're like, huh, why doesn't Vladimir Tarasenko have 50 goals a year? And why doesn't Ryan O'Reilly have 110 points a year? It's because they don't, Blues, in my opinion, don't really 
rely on those superstars as much as as much as the next team. You know, they're they're still rolling four not four lines, even though their first line is O'Reilly has O'Reilly on it, and their fourth line has Tyler Rose on it. You know, it's it, it's still like everyone does their job at the right time, and it's not really like, damn, if Ryan O'Reilly doesn't show up, we're not going to win. It's you, you got a lot of other guys to fall back on. So, in that sense, the walk with Tarasenko doesn't hurt, but. At the end of the day, it's still Vladimir Tarasenko. It's still a guy that is going to put, you know, a goal home every every other game or whatever. Um, it, it, it's not a loss you want to have short term or obviously long term. So I no, wish I wish him all. the best. I wish him the best. I wish his you know his family the best. Um, he's been my favorite player for as long as I can remember. So like honestly, this doesn't even feel like I'm I'm losing a player for the Blues. It it it, it really hurts. Um, so yeah, I feel like a lot of people I'm, can attest I'm to that. Cautiously optimistic, but I'm, I'm, I'm real scared. I'm real scared. Yeah. And it's, it's something else to think about too, that if in the event, in the unlike, well, not unlikely in the unfortunate event that he does get put on long-term mm-hmm. injured reserve, mm-hmm. uh, you do have 7.5 million off the books that could be right. put towards Petrangelo. Um, that's a discussion for another time though. I don't, yeah. <laughs> don't want to yeah. talk, don't yeah, want to talk, talk about that right now, now but uh, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you know this isn't. Unfortunately, situations like this aren't aren't unseen in the NHL. They happen. Injuries happen. Long term injuries happen. Players return unable to return to their prior form. It sucks, but it happens. Um, so, you know, if that if it does come to that point, like Tommy said, long term injury reserve. We'll talk about it when we do. But until then, you know, just gotta take it one day at a time, one game at a time. Uh, hope him, hope the best for him. Hope the best for the team. But for now, like I mean, I said this at the beginning of the at the beginning of the the playoffs. My attitude is we're going in night out, night in, night out, assuming that we're gonna be we're gonna be lacking on the lineup. The players are gonna be missing for one reason or another. Obviously, this wasn't what I was expecting, but it hurts a little less. Kind of assuming that Blues are rarely gonna be at full strength um, due to the weird times that we're in. That being said, let's talk about the playoff series because we literally haven't yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, we should. It's two, games to, it's two games to two, but I feel a lot more confident than I, I would in a typical two games to two series. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, um, I think I, especially the, the, these last two games, man, have been pretty commanding games from the St. Louis Blues and like the hockey that that we've, that we've kind of seen from them last year. Uh, it's coming back around, and especially especially last game. I don't think there was a a second of the period where I felt like we were getting outplayed by Vancouver. Um, and I think that just goes to show how well conditioned this team is um, and how experienced they are. Even the guys that have just like, haven't been around that long, like going that far in the Stanley cup playoffs on such a historic run. Like you, I feel like you've learned so much, even Jordan Cairo, who was just there as a black ace. Like they just take so much in, um, just being an absolute sponge and being around the guys. And I think it's, I think it's notable to see the changes that they've made each game uh, have progressively gotten better closer towards the team that we saw last year. And now we'll see what happens these next three games, but it's a brand new series. Yeah. I mean, the way that I can describe it uh, best and like the reason I feel so confident is because the, the biggest difference, the most obvious difference for me between games one and two and games three and four is games three and four, the Blues play Blues hockey. Games one and two, the Blues play Canucks hockey. That's that's the easiest way for me to describe it is 
I said at the beginning of the series, the Blues need to fall into their game. They need to force the Canucks to play their style, not vice versa. And I think the first two games, they were really struggling to keep up with Vancouver's speed, Vancouver's talent, Vancouver's skill. Naturally, Vancouver is a fucking sick team. Um, they got so many guys that can just do absurdly stupid things with the puck. It's hard to keep up with them. But you get to games three or four of a series, two nights of a back-to-back, you know, stamina starts to play into effect, grittiness starts to play into effect, and the Blues settled into their game sort of early on in game three and didn't look back after that. Didn't allow, like, the shot suppression, the thing that you really hemmed on yesterday was so prevalent last night. Um, 17 allowed, like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit, yeah. The, the shot suppression, that was the biggest thing for me, is you looked up at the shot clock and the shots were like 32 to 14 for most of the game. And even though it was like a one-goal game, like, you just felt like, wow, okay, this, this isn't even a game. Like, I never really felt like I saw Vancouver have sustained cycling offense in that game. It felt like it was very quick, like one-off chances for Pedersen or Hughes or something like that. But other than that, it was just like, you know, whatever. And like, obviously those one-off chances can be very beneficial for guys like Pedersen and Hughes, as we saw, you know, Vancouver got a goal um, off of something very similar. JT Miller, that's the guy I was forgetting. Um, but yeah, JT Miller nice tip, scored, by the way. Yeah, scored yet another goal off of just a one-off chance, which is My what socks are on, so I can say that, but... Yeah. Yeah, he does have a yeah. He does have a very nice tip. <laughs> nice, yeah, wonderful tip from Jason Miller. Just pristine, pristine, nice and nice and polished. He's clearly been working on it a lot. Um, oh Jesus! Um, <laughs> no, but Vancouver does have that does have that quick strike ability, um, and we saw that with the power plays and all that earlier in the series. And you know what? Last game. Blues got a little screwed penalty-wise. The refs were calling the game very tight, and that does not benefit the Blues at all. They took, what, seven penalties? And the penalty kill looked amazing. Did not falter, did not. I don't know. I talked to a lot of Canucks fans on Twitter, and it it seems like the the refs were playing for us. So I don't don't know. I don't know who to believe. Oh, for seven on the power play, or are a lot of Canucks fans that are armchair? I mean, what do they what do they want? <laughs> yeah, I know ten, ten power oh. plays. <laughs> I have no idea. What game are they watching? They've had eighteen power plays. Slash Gunnarsson slashed the ice at the end of the game, and the ref calls a penalty. Dude, I thought that was so funny. Like, not in the moment, obviously, because like. It sucked that they had like a, what it was like a six on three or something with their goalie pulled. But I was, are you kidding? Like, there's no way that actually happened at an NHL level. So uh, the st- I think, big man. St- yeah, I think the St. Louis Blues play a really annoying style of hockey. Like, you know how we hate Brad Marchand. I feel like, David in a sense, every single player on the Blues is a bit of Brad Marchand in them. That's the, that's the Blues style. Is they they push as far as they can on that on that line, and every once in a while they step over it. But you know, unless the refs aren't if the refs aren't calling it, keep doing it. Um, they play a very hard nosed gritty style, and that pisses a lot of teams off. I mean, how many times last year did we did we get a coach in every single round that complained about officiating? Had to. I think it was, I think it was pretty close. I think it was pretty damn close. But uh, opposing teams complain a lot about officiating when it comes to St. Louis. That's uh, a very common trend that we've seen so far. So this this the the, the this sort of recent string of events. Uh, Vancouver fans complaining about refs. Uh, Vancouver coaches complaining about refs. I'm like, oh, perfect. We got them right where we want them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're Honestly, concerned about the refs the entire game, then you're not concerned about the puck. You're not concerned about right. 
five on five and like the game's already pretty much over. Um, Just my outlook, yeah. My outlook on the rest of the series, um, blues and six. Yep. Um, so that I listened to, I listened to, Oh God, I can't even think of his name. Vancouver's coach. What's his name? I can't, I, I don't know. <laughs> What's his face? What's his face? What's his face was talking about the last night's game. And he said, no, I don't think the blues dominated the, at five on five. No, yeah, I, 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 I saw that. What do you, what do you think? No, I don't, I don't think we need to, whatever. He basically just is in denial about yeah. his team getting shellacked. He said, year. I pretend I do not see. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> if you do not acknowledge the problem, Watching it does the, not exist. Exactly. <laughs> he's watching the game with his eyes closed. No, I like Patrick, and he's like, let's just take <laughs> all our problems and move them over there. there. Yeah. Um, I think the experience is starting to show. I think that the Blues have, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't think, I know the Blues have done this before. Um, Vancouver has not. Uh, early on, the, the, the young legs of Vancouver sort of put the Blues in a tizzy. Um, it's fair. But since they, since they settled in, uh, it's looked very, very, very one-sided the last 120 minutes of hockey. So... Unless, and, unless there's a drastic shift backwards, Blues and Six. The thing is, too, is that we've seen that this team is capable of sustaining that type of energy, you know? Because there's a lot of games where uh, you watch across the playoffs and teams just, like, go off for a game. And you're like, holy shit. Like, they're firing on all cylinders left and right, putting pucks in the net at will. Um, and they come out the next game, and it's a completely different team. But I feel like right. the Blues build right. momentum. Uh, they okay. keep building I mean, on that momentum. Is, yeah. If you want to see completely different teams, look at game two versus game three. They looked like a different team. They were literally playing a fully different style. It, it you know, I, I, I have full faith in Craig Ruby in this team. After last year, after all the times last year where we had like what seems like this exact same conversation we had today, it was like, well, if they keep it up, they can do well. And then every single time we said that, they kept it up and did well. Mm-hmm. Blues and six. Never doubt. I, never doubt. We were down zero games and two all across Twitter. Never doubt. Everyone was cool, calm, and collected. Never panicked once. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> let's, let's pretend like that's the truth. Um, we'll just we'll just pull the Canucks coach. Like, yeah, that's what happened. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, don't exactly. th- I, don't, I pretend no, I do what? not see. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah. All right. So uh, I think that's all we got for today. We're, we're, we're a little ways into today's episode, so we can wrap things up. But uh, confident for the rest of the series. Um, if the Blues continue to play the way they have played, uh, I think they got this one in the bag. Uh, I hope that's your similar thoughts, Tommy. Any, any, any closing, closing messages for the lovely listeners? Uh, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm just excited to keep watching Justin Falk play, dude. I feel like every time he's on the ice, I like spotlight him. And every time, like, I just... He the lives more up that I watch him, the more I feel comfortable with him out there, the more I'm like, dude, this guy is a baller. Like, it just gets me yeah, so excited absolutely. to watch him, like, turn around his play like that after he was so disappointed with this. Absolutely. Game. Lots to look forward to for Blues fans, for sure. Um, definitely a lot more optimistic than we were literally, like, three days ago. So, lot can change very quickly, as we have seen. Um, we get to enjoy a nice night off tonight. Watch Chicago hopefully get eliminated. 
Um, Washington's on the on the bubble as well, down 3-0. So relax, enjoy. It's been two very stressful late nights with 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 Blues hockey going on. Overtime last night and then a close three or overtime two nights ago, a close three one game last night. So relax, enjoy the games tonight. Get geared up for a big Tilly on Wednesday. Another ten thirty start, of course. Um, Nine thirty for you, Tom. So you're a little you're a little better off. But goddamn. Something about sitting down at dinner and being like, cool, hockey in five hours. It's like, <laughs> yeah. god damn. <laughs> but yeah, lots, lots to look forward to. Um, playoffs have been amazing so far, and I'm looking forward to the rest of them. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lockdown Blues to stay tuned with all of our playoff hot takes and emotions and memes, etc. Definitely stay up to date on that. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Hammond NHL. Follow Tommy at 12 Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest.